Hello, welcome back to Port Save Africa. It's your welcome, host. Welcome. And we are back again with another news update for you guys. It's certainly a pleasure to share the multiple stories we have over the past couple of months. Um, but every so often, as you know, we do like to keep you updated with the latest news and interesting stories or our interesting takes on, on popular stories um, that are from the continent at this point in time. Um, today, we'll be taking you through a few great stories from protests in Senegal to the great unicorn, the newborn, freshly born unicorn in Flutterwave, um, to leadership through Ngozi Iwela, and um, talking about human rights and LGBTQI rights in Ghana. Um, we thank you so much for listening in, and uh, please enjoy the episode. Welcome to Pod Save Africa. 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 Now onto the first story of this news updates, we take you to a West African country known as Senegal. Um, Senegal is known as a relatively peaceful country in Africa. You don't, there's not much, much news in terms of uprise or conflict or any sort of thing from Senegal, just known as being the origins of the very famous jollof rice, which now, although it started in Senegal, Nigeria definitely has the best jollof rice. No, I said I will not. I said what I said. Um, but now onto the story. So in recent times, there have been uh, protests that have been going on in Senegal, and the origins can be traced back to earlier this month in March, when the opposition polit- politician um, against the current president was arrested. Um, he was initially he was initially charged with rape, um, and on his way to court he was arrested. Um, This was sort of like a a needle that broke the camel's back um, for the young people who many of them support this opposition leader and many of them just felt that it was unjust. um, And a lot of them feel that the claims, the alleged rape is not true. Um, And so young people are taken to the streets to protest. Um, and were met instead by violence. Uh, the police firing tear gas, gunshots. Many people have died um, since the protest started and the, I believe they're still going on. Um, but young people really took the chance to air their grievances, including just lack of job opportunities, um, economic hardship, perhaps in part due to the pandemic and things like that. Um, And they're still protesting. Um, All in all, the protest is against the democracy. Um, And for each person, that means something different. Um, But they believe that the country's hard-won democracy is at stake, especially since the arrest of this um, opposition leader is seemed to be like a thing that African leaders do. Um, we've seen it happen in Uganda. We've seen it happen in many other countries, African countries. It seems to be a play on when the 
um, current leader wants to stay in power for much longer than he should. There are either like false charges raised against um, and a prominent opposition leader or they are um, mistreated or they are arrested um, and bitten and things like that. So I, the young people recognize that this could be a pattern and this could be a problem for their next elections. <clears throat> um, Akeli, any... Um, Absolutely. It's important to note that this current president was brought in, or at least his, his win in an election was protected by a youth uprising and a youth protest, where um, the youth basically said to the, the, the former guy who was attempting to retain his position that, you know, no, you can't do that, and I might squeeze him out of office. Um, you think that the number of cycles in which this happens, you think that leaders would come to, at some point, uh, respect, you know, the, the power of the people and, and honor that in it leadership but you find that there's something about power especially at that level where it's you know the nearest thing to be an ultimate in your context um that it truly does corrupt and you need the most sound of people and perhaps even more importantly the most sound of institutions so that people are unable to take advantage of it um from the details we're seeing this 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 uh, crisis um the responses practice has led to many deaths and then hundreds of people injured. Um, it, it sounds like a familiar story, but I think it's important to re-emphasize, you know, the, the importance or the strength of the youth um, and, and also keep our, our hearts and minds for the people in, in Senegal, um, you know, really, really trying to, to make a case for why their lives should be better, which, which all of us would and should at any point. On to our next story, we're here to share some better news, greater tidings. Um, I, I myself, I find myself being a huge fan of money. I'm a huge fan of fundraising. If I could raise hundreds of millions of dollars, you know, by, you know, <laughs> hopefully at some point I'm able to, um, I, I would be ecstatic. And it makes me happy, even more happy to see African startups um, raising money. As of this time, Flutterwave, uh, an Africa-focused payments company, has raised $170 million in its CVC round. Um, it's fantastic because that's, that's rate fundraise and the valuation puts it past a billion dollars, making Flutterwave Africa's second unicorn after InterSwitch, which raised $200 million at about two years ago. Um, the Series C was read, led by a lot of uh, investors. Most of them, I believe, were, were US-based investors. Um, and and um, it's it's fantastic to basically see um, that that valuation happening. Now let's let's dig a little deeper into the company itself. I think it's a name we often hear. Um, if you're a small business owner, you've interacted with them by you know utilizing them in your payment setup, especially for online payments. I myself have set up websites where Flutterwave is part of the infrastructure used to support them. Um, but Flutterwave is doing exceedingly well. They, they're, they're available in 20 African countries. Um, the payments infrastructure itself is available in over 33 different countries. Um, they're, 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 the company is growing you know, almost in triple digits every, every year, um, doubling its size at least every uh, over the last year. And then I think uh, 226% cumulative by annual growth. So it's a fantastically, it's doing very well. This is not, you know, nobody gives you money for free. Um, the money, ra the, they raised $20 million in, in their Series A in 2018. They raised 35 in their Series B, um, or, or I believe 40 actually in their Series B. And now they raised 170, mil 170 billion in their next, in their most recent series. So Definitely to the investor class, they probably saw a bunch of information that made them think, okay, this is legit. 
this is going to work out. Um, and you might ask, you know, 170 million, you know, what 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 is that going into? Um, so that's why we planned at this point to use it to expand into into across, you know, Africa even more aggressively to continue to develop its payments. Um, software and to continue to grow as a company. Um, it's well deserved. Um, congratulations to the, the many leaders and investors as well in that company. Um, things are definitely looking well. Um, at some point, uh, I would not be surprised to see to see um, them also also being listed on the New York New York Stock Exchange and on, 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 on the Nigerian Stock Exchange so that we can actually invest in this company and hopefully get uh, get uh, a lot of, of growth out of it. So um, that's fantastic news from Flutterwave. Do you have any thoughts on our, our good folks at Flutterwave? Yes, I, I find their business model impressive, um, especially one, one part of the model that I find impressive as I recently had the opportunity to listen to uh, some members of their team talk on Clubhouse in the past week is um, they mentioned that in each African country um, where they, they their work, they work that their work impacts. They have someone representative of that country um, lead the the work, lead the um, work there. And I think that's that's nice because often as Africans, sometimes we tend to speak for everyone. Um, sometimes, it, although we like to say Africa is not a country, we almost treat it like it is. And even that Africa is not a country is kind of a paradox because. In some ways it is, in some ways it, is, it isn't. Um, but I especially found that as a, as, a, as a key, you have to have someone who knows the layouts of the land in, in office. You have to have them take strong leadership. And I hope that this sets a framework for other businesses, others um, that are looking to, uh, other startups within Africa that are looking to have uh, more than a national reach um, outside of their country, but to the rest of the continent. Yeah, yeah. And, and for investors and people interested in the African continent from outside, it's important to note that you know I, I would I would strongly recommend that you don't put your money in any startup that hasn't seriously considered the local landscape and hasn't very actively involved leadership and operational excellence from individuals from those countries and communities where. They are. It's, it's simply a no-brainer. You can't just bring somebody from X, Y, and Z to come run a company and expect for it to have uh, the best of successes without the lay of the land. Um, recent statistics came out about Kenya's uh, startups ecosystem where 70% of the folks who are running startups are experts, and then they, most of those individuals have lived in the country for less than, than one year and are the sole leadership of those companies. So it's important to you know, reverse that trend as investors and invest in individuals that really pay attention to, to the context in which they're going to be building companies. Otherwise, you might as well put your money in a trash can and uh, light it on fire. On to our third story. Um, we will be talking about Miss Ngozi Okonjo-Iwila, who recently made history as the first ever African and first female director general of the World Trade Organization. Um, the World Trade Organization is, you know, the global organization that's in charge of um, monitoring and regulating uh, trade between nations. Um, and so this is a huge, huge, like I mentioned, it's a monumental, it's a historic occasion, um, especially as she, there were a lot of challenges um, against her, I believe the US government was against her um, leading this office at the time during uh, Trump's presidency. 
Um, but she was able to break all those barriers and become um, the director general of the World Trade Organization. Just a few facts about Miss um, Ngozi Okonje-Wela. She was born in Nigeria, she's Nigerian, um, but she's also American. Um, even though I believe she recently let go of her American citizenship. Um, she studied at Harvard and also got a PhD at MIT. So she's incredibly smart. She um, led, she's, she worked in the World Bank for 25 years um, and was the managing director for a period of time between 2007 and 2011. Um, she served as the Nigerian finance minister twice um, during two, um, pres for two presidents, um, Presidents Ulushengo Obasanjo and President Skulok Jonathan. Um, and she sits on the boards of Twitter, Standard Chartered Bank, which is a Nigerian bank, and the Global Alliance for Vaccines and Immunizations. Um, so she she's, has an incredibly work history, of course. She's very capable of the work that is before her, and she's just an impressive woman overall. Um, a lot of people, a lot of women like myself look up to her because she's one that is able to have a full quote unquote, a full life in terms of being a mother, a, a wife, um, and still being a badass career woman. Um, and she's also one person that she is able to bring herself and not, not kind of form herself to fit what she thinks needs to be done. So she's specifically known to always wear African attire, or whatever stage she's on. She has a, a dire on, she has an Ankara on um, her headscarf. She's one to know to not conform her accent to make it not sound, to make it sound any more palatable. She sounds as Nigerian as she would in anywhere of the world. And it's, it's one for, I guess it, it, it's one to look up to as for, for myself as a young woman, because it teaches you that you can be yourself and still be at the very top. Um, and in a lot, of, a lot of ways for a lot of us, we've been told otherwise, we've been told, I remember starting my career in the US told that you should probably not wear braids, that you should shorten your name so that people can pronounce it. And these were things that, although it might seem minute to the outside, I felt like chipping away at um, who you are. So to see this woman be able to stand in who she, who she is and make all these milestones is impressive. I get any other um, points you'd like to share. Absolutely, and, and thank you for sharing that, that remarkable personal insights into what that means for, for you and I imagine many other women and African women. Um, I, I think the only thing I'd like to add to that is just to provide some context on why I think this, uh, this, uh, this milestone for her is remarkably important for the African continent. Um, I think the place to start to be to describe, first of all, what the World Trade Organization does, and then to then reflect on why I think it's, it's perfectly in alignment with, with Africa's current and near-term future objectives. Um, the World Trade Organization, as the, the, the name suggests, uh, manages trade across just about all of its member countries, which are most of the countries and many of the major countries on Earth. You know, China, America, just about all the big players you'd imagine that they're including just about every single African country. Um, and and essentially what it does is that it manages um, trade disputes. It, it creates a, a platform effectively for 
you know, increasing trade and bettering trade across the country, the, the, the world rather. And then, and then also, you know, it sets rules and enforces rules for international trade and things of that nature. Um, people have had different opinions about the WTO about it. Yes, but, but for the purpose of this discussion, I'd like to focus on what that means for Africa. Um, I think as many would admit, um, Africa and many African countries are at the point where they're starting to realize that we have to trade, we have to be uh, effective exporters and importers so that we can improve the lives of the people in our countries, but also so that we can become better uh, manufacturing and better global citizens as well. Um, that's evidence through the ratification of the AFTCA. Um, things of that nature are definitely strong indicators that many African countries are moving in certain certain direction. Sure. Now, having the the, the 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 leader of the WTO not just be an African woman, but also be an African woman who has held leadership positions in its its largest country, uh, country by population means she understands the specific and unique challenges, both cultural and otherwise, that are involved in developing trade systems on the African continent. Um, and I think that under her very capable leadership, she's going to create an environment where African leadership is encouraged to build better trade networks and to accomplish the goal that's, that they are trying to accomplish in the first place. So from an alignment standpoint, I think there could almost be no better time to have her be in charge. Um, I look forward to her leadership. I got to watch her speak a few weeks ago and she's uh, just you know one how success to speak for themselves they don't, they don't give everybody that's they don't give anybody um those positions so um but but i'm even more convinced by by getting to to have that experience of of, of having her speak um that she's going to do a remarkably good job um, not just for the world as at large but also for the african continent um i'm excited by that our final and bonus story for today, unfortunately, is not in the best of um, not in the best of of of, of news. Um, we are having a discussion today about human rights and and um, the rights of Africans uh, at this point in time. And so, with regards to Ghana, what's going on with the, the LGBTQI community in in, in Africa? Um, we have Port of Africa support um, people's people's. Um, uh, bearing differences in, in sexualities. Um, and it's important that everyone, regardless of, of what you look like, what creed, sexuality, orientation you have, um, that you're allowed to exist safely and, and, and thrive in, in this global community we all share and exist in, especially on the African continent. Now, we're keenly aware that African perspectives and, and ideas around it, especially post-colonial African perspectives around Many of these things are not are not in in, in perhaps alignment with ours. Um, and, um, we 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 you know we respect the fact that people have different opinions, but our, our position is that everyone should be allowed to exist and thrive, um, especially the, those who have been marginalized, whether it's by by sexuality, as in this case, or by other elements like tribe and things like that, as we've seen all over the all over the continents. And it really saddens us to hear that you know security forces in Ghana have taken a very, um, uh, very aggressive approach against the the, the African the, the LGBTQI community there uh, by shutting down the, the headquarters uh, um, of of their of their office um, and, and threatening apparently threatening many of the many of the leadership of the LGBTQI uh, rights community um, there. Um, you know, many organizations have spoken out against it, including Amnesty International. And, and you know, to me, I've never, I guess, 
I've never understood or I've struggled to understand why, you know, in countries that are trying to focus on trade, on development, on creating their infrastructure, there's so many important things to focus on for bettering life generally that you decide to pick a subset of your people and, and focus on making their lives worse for whatever reason. It's, it's just not right. Um, we, implore, we hope, we hope the, the people who affected by this, um, whether, whether people who are uh, LGBTQI or, or family of people who are LGBTQI are unaffected, we pray for your safety. Um, but this is definitely discouraging news to hear. Um, if you can lend your voice wherever you may be hearing this, to, to supporting them and, and emphasizing their right to be able to exist safely and, and, and freely, um, I think that's important to note. But um, th that's that's all we can reflect on this. Um, hopefully at some point we're able to bring on guests that can reflect on this situation or, or really on the more global um, or more Africa-based sort of situation for LGBTQI people more objectively or with more detail, I would say. Um, we, we will do so, but um, we definitely have you in our minds and are hoping for, for your, your, your safety and, and your allowance to thrive and, and live in, 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 in whatever country or community you are in. Um, Onikon, do you have any thoughts? Um, I just want to echo your thoughts, um, especially because, like, like you said, uh, with as a continent, as a global um, nation that has made a few other pressing issues that to concern themselves with, it's kind of sad to see that they concern themselves with um, people's identities, um, whether that be their sexual identity or otherwise. Um, people should be allowed to be be themselves um, and express themselves however they choose to, even if that includes having a national office. Um, that does not, it does not, it does not cloud any other, any other person's identity. It doesn't interrupt any other person's identity or way of life. So I'm not sure why um, um, the government would choose to act out in that manner. Yeah, uh, but yeah, we, we thank you, Anika, for reflecting on that. It almost feels like we oftentimes have governments who are like looking for who to bully, like whoever has, has authority is just looking for who to bully. And today it might be the LGBTQI community, but we've seen very easily that they can those attentions can easily be turned on, on you, whatever, you know, whatever thing you ascribe to. It could even be just your age for being young or for looking a certain way, dressing a certain yeah. way. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so you know, unfortunately, we've seen that happen time and time again. Yeah. yeah. Now onto our takeaways for the episode. Um, from this three, from the four stories that we've covered, it, it's not hard to see a theme of leadership um, amongst all of these stories, and so that is part of our takeaway that it it often comes down to leadership. Leadership has to be intentional, and oftentimes it has to be very cultural. Um, specific to the place that is being led and culture and and in also considering culture it's important to note that culture changes um, it flows with the time so we can't stick to archaic um, interpretations of culture when there are clear evidence that the culture has shifted um, so again leadership it comes down to leadership leadership has to be intentional and cultural in building great atmospheres and place. Um, from Ingos's many successes, including becoming the first director general, first African and first female director general, to Fotoway's leadership um, in 
in payment services across the African continent. Um, and even to the upper, upper and to the opposite in Ghana's um, oppressive leadership um, in shutting down the LGBTQI office. I, it comes down to leadership. Leadership determines the course um, for the rest of, for who they will be leading. So for our planting chip of today, um, I was scrolling through some interesting facts that I thought would be interesting to share with, with, with our listeners. And it, it, I stumbled upon this, this uh, factoid that you know, pre-colonial Africa comprised of about 10,000 different states and autonomous groups with like distinct languages and customs. And I think many of us, to some sense, understood you know that you know the the the, the colonial uh, entities european countries etc came in and you know did x y and z the berlin conference we know those but i think contextualizing that fact in that in, to the idea that you know that 50 roughly 50 different african countries so these these colonial powers were were essentially fitting roughly 200 different states into each country right so from a systematic and even just like management standpoint um, I think it lends credence to this idea that, you know, leadership on the African continent would provide, you know, poses unique challenges because, you know, most of us are less than 50 years removed from, from independence and being able to chart our own destinies. And it, part of it is taking time to, to build, you know, cohesive cultures and to, you know, experiment and pick what is the right thing to do. Um, and, and saying that, you know, our point really is that with this factoid, to some degree, while we must strive and, and drive for betterment in our African continent, so let's not lose hope or despair because um, we're new and we face unique challenges that nobody else has had to face. Um, and, and I and we here at Ponce Africa do believe we will succeed and thrive um, to great nations where people of all cultures, creeds, orientations, um, religion shall, shall be supported and, and thrive and have the best possible outcomes. Thank you for listening in to us here at Forte of Africa. Uh, and I have thoroughly enjoyed sharing this new set of stories with you. Um, please feel free to check us out at safeafricapod.com. Um, and uh, cheers, Sarinara. Have a fantastic week and happy spring break or St. Patrick's Day. What is it? <laughs> and as always, please be sure to comment. Um, to subscribe to us on your various listening platforms. Please let us know your thoughts um, in terms of what you think of the news that we've covered. If you have any other personal details that you think that we should be looking towards and um, speaking on on the podcast, please let us know. If you have any, any people you would like, to, like us to talk to, please let us know. We would love to engage more with your audience um, and share stories that will, that would be useful for you. Awesome. Cheers. Bye. Bye.